how's the fasting going? Hey, it's good? I'm fasting my beard. You guys notice that? I had fasted my beard. Anyways, um, yeah, I just, it was getting itchy, and I went to go diving on my day off on Monday, and I found that my mask does not fit over my amazing mustache. Uh, it lets water in, and so priorities, right? Like, I got to go diving, so shave that thing off, and then I had to keep a little, so trying something new. Uh, what do you guys think? All right, I know. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well, welcome to church. Um, I'm Pastor Carl here. Blessed to have you guys this morning. You guys see the um, the staging area for the Magnum PI and everything, or whatever five O. I don't know who's filming. Does anybody know what show? Is it Magnum? Yeah. Anyway, they're all down there parked on the street, but um, this is where the real party is. Amen? This is where it's happening. We're going to talk on our, our series on prayer here today, but one real quick announcement. Um, if you've ever had a desire to go to a third world country for the sake of God, for mission trips, we've got one for you. We're working with Compassion International and organizing a trip in August to the Philippines. And a lot of you guys sponsor kids through Compassion International in the Philippines. And if you go on this trip, you'll probably get to see the kid you sponsor and see how they live and all of that and give them a hug and all of that kind of cool stuff. But even if you don't sponsor a kid, this is a really good trip to go on to open your eyes to how a lot of people in the real world outside of the United States, how they live and what it's like over there. And it gives, it gives you a heart. And if, if you've ever been one to complain about like your poor life and like, which, which dumb shirt do I wear today out of my thousands? You go over there and you find out that these kids and these families have like one shirt and they wear it till it wears out. Then they try to find a new one and they live on mud floors and pieces of, of street signs and cardboard put together their little rooms they live in. And it's just like, I need to see this. It gives me a heart for people. It reminds me that we're way more blessed than we think we are in the United States. And it opens your eyes to what God's doing, especially through Compassion International, where we as a church currently sponsor 1,346 kids. It's incredible. So good job, Anchor Church, for sponsoring. But if you want to go on that trip, Go in the courtyard to the information wall back there. Uh, Deborah's back there. She would love to let you know some info and sign you up if you want to be a part of that. I promise it will change your life. It changed my life. Well, um, we're in this series right now, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, and we're in this series on prayer that's called, Can You Hear Me Now? Because it's all about prayer. It's all about connecting with God. Because there's times in our life when God is asking us that question. Hey, can you hear me now? Carl, can you hear me or are you too distracted by everything else going on in your life that you're not even listening to me? Or it can be the other way around. God, do you hear me? I'm crying out. Am I praying right? Am I connecting with you that you would hear me? And so this focus on prayer for us as we start into this new year is just, I want to stay connected to God. I got to make sure that like I'm in there, that we're talking, that he knows what's going on. There's this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 we've been using. And it just says these three simple words. Never stop praying. The whole idea is that our life with God is an ongoing conversation. It's a relationship. It's not a religious thing. I only go to church and I meet with God at church every Sunday. There's my religion. It's not like that. It's that we are constantly going, he's my heavenly father. He loves me. He wants to do good stuff in my life. And, and the better life I have is because I'm better connected with him. And so um, last week we talked about several things, if you remember, to maybe help your prayer life. I talked about having a time a place, and a plan. You guys remember that? Remember kind of remind you from last week? Not that we want to be legalistic and say, this is the only time, the only place, and the only plan that I pray. But I'm trying to just give you some, some, uh, some help, some tips for saying, if you can schedule time with God, 
then chances are you're going to have a more ongoing regular habit. Because sometimes if we don't schedule it, we don't do it, right? So we're talking about have a time, your special place, and a plan going into it. And then you'll never run out of stuff to pray about if you pray for your people. Remember how we talked about that last week? Like, pray for the lost, pray for your church, pray for your nation, pray for your family. Like, when you have a list of people that, that matter to you, man, your prayers are amazing. And they're from the heart because you actually care about these people. Well, um, today we're going to talk about a different prayer. I'm going to give you a different plan for prayer that I'm going to actually challenge you to pray for the next seven days, that for one week, that you would, at some point of your prayer life and time in your day, you would lean into praying the prayer that we're going to talk about here today. By the way, for those of you that aren't aware that our church is in 21 days of prayer and fasting, we just completed the first week. Is everybody doing okay still with your fasting? Are you guys still holding on? Still maintaining? I pray that God is speaking to you. I pray that in little ways or in dramatic ways that he's doing something. That at the very least, you're just getting more intimate and real and, and just leaning into what God has for you. And so God's already been speaking to me. I've been journaling stuff already, and it's, it's been good so far, but it is a sacrifice. And part of that sacrifice is, God, in order to get close to you, I need to cut some distractions and be reminded that, that you're enough for me. And so we, we're leaning in. If you weren't here last week or the past couple of weeks, don't know about the fast, but you're going... That sounds like a pretty cool idea. Like, I want to do that with all the rest of you guys. I want to fast. You can jump in. You get 14 days of prayer and fasting. You can go the next couple weeks with us. But we'd love to hear about it. There's a card in the seat that looks like this. And if you never filled this out yet, or you're like, man, this prayer and fasting thing is good. I need some stuff from God. I want to press in. Be a part of what's going on. Circle the type of fast that you choose to do. All the further details and information are on our website, myanchor.church. You can find out all more about it. But we would love to hear how you're fasting. We'd love to hear what you're praying and fasting for. Because fasting without prayer is just a diet, right? It doesn't mean anything. You're just like, I'm just trying to lose weight here. In the name of Jesus, help me lose weight. That's just a diet. But if you're praying into it, that's the main reason that we do this thing then we would love to know so we can join with you. You turn these in in the, in the bucket at the end of service, we'd love to pray with you for whatever breakthroughs you're looking for. But join us in that for the next 14 days as we're pressing into things of God. Well, today I'm going to give you something that is another plan on how to pray, another way to pray. Again, if, if you practice this for seven days, you watch what God can do in your life. And here's the, the simple gist of the prayer that we're going to be talking about today is pray for more that you're praying for more of God in your life. It's kind of a simple prayer, but I think it's one that we, we don't use all the time. I love this song that we were singing here today. I love it. Simple. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down my soul. Like I'll, but I just want more of you, God. Because sometimes the answer isn't less of the problem. It's just more of God. Can I get an amen to that? Like some, that's, so I want you to practice this. We're going to talk about this prayer. Jesus said in Matthew 6.10, part of the Lord's Prayer, he said, Pray something like this, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth down here, just like it is in heaven. So all the goodness of your power and your glory and your blessing and your miracles and all that cool stuff, your forgiveness, your healing that, that you're known for in heaven, your kingdom, Lord, we pray for that down here on earth. Like in other words, he's saying, pray for more of God. Pray for more of everything that's of the kingdom of heaven, that that would actually invade earth. Because here's a big problem that we Christians have when we pray. I know it's my problem. I'm not pointing fingers. But it doesn't seem like a problem. But we think, God, you've already blessed me with so much. You've blessed me with good things. Like, I don't, I don't want to ask for anything more. Like, you're, you're really good in my life. Or we think, God, 
I want you to bless me in this area of my relationship or my finances or whatever is going on here. And I'd like you to do it this much right here. That would be, you know, that'd be so good. That'd be good enough for me. I would appreciate that. I love that. And the problem is that we often ask for our needs to be met, but we don't ever ask for our needs to be exceeded. And the deal is he's bigger than you think he is. Like God is a God of increase. He's a God of growth. There's a concept that's taught all throughout the Bible that says healthy things grow. Amen. Like if you're, if you're like feeding on God and you're coming to church and you're healthy, then God's like, I want to give you more. I want to grow you in your maturity and your faith and in, in your trust and your hope in me and your, your reach to other people. But too many times we unknowingly, we just pray for just enough. And what that actually is, is we're praying too little. He's a God of creation. He's our father. He wants to blow our minds. He wants to bless us above and beyond. And sometimes we just pray for, mm, I, just, I just want that much. And that's, that's good enough for me. But here's the thing. Healthy things grow. How many of you guys, like after the holidays, after you ate your way through the holidays, you put on all the holiday weight, you get on the scale, you're kind of like me. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, man. But you know what, God? Healthy things grow, so I'm good. Thank you. In Jesus' name, I'm a fatty. Like, you, we use it in the wrong context, but here's God saying, you know what? If you would just ask for more, watch what I can do. Carl, why are you limiting yourself to what you think is good enough for your life? Why don't you just stand back and be willing and dare to ask and believe that I can blow you away with how much I want to give you because that's the kind of God that I am. Amen? Like, he, he loves us. He wants to give us more, expand our capacity. Why should we settle for uh, praying for good enough? We should be praying for God enough and let God, like, decide what's going on. So let me, let me get to the main verse that we're talking about. We're talking about this one guy, and his name is Jabez. Anybody ever heard of him? Jabez, 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 whatever, however you want to pronounce it. It's funny how people in the Christian world always pronounce things differently, yeah? Like, we get these words. And anyways, this guy named Jabez, he's in the book of Chronicles, First Chronicles. If you read the Old Testament, there's some books, can we be honest and real here today, some books in the Old Testament are boring. Can anybody agree with me right there? Come on. You guys are too holy. for No, no, pastor. It's never boring. Here's the real. Here's the real deal. The book of Chronicles, as you're reading through it, it's boring. And let me tell you why. There's a purpose behind it, but it is boring. A lot of what you read, even in this part of this passage right here, is this. It's so-and-so was the son of so-and-so was the son of so-and-so was the son of so-and-so was the son. And you're just, basically, you're just learning Jewish names. That's all you're doing. Well, that Esau, Hezekiah, Obadiah, like, wow, that's cool. But it's not feeding you. You're like, this is boring. But here's the reason why it made it into the Bible, the greatest selling book of all time, is because God was trying to prove historically, chronologically, that he is true, that he is real, that everything in the Bible is true, because you can go back and you can date and you can look up these names in outside historical sources, and you find that like, well, this stuff really happened. These guys were really guys that were kings and people and rulers of the land in that time. And so what God's doing in there is he's just proving and he's giving chronolo chrono chronology, chronology. He's giving like historicity and he's giving like, <laughs> I'm just making stuff up now. He's giving um, proof that this stuff is really real. And so when you read that, you're, you're not going to read that for daily devotions. God, thank you that this guy was the son of this guy was the son. That touches my life. You're not going to get that. But here, in the midst of all of these lists in Chronicles, this is what's cool. 
is there's one guy whose name stands out and he gets a shout out for something that he did in his life where he's not just another name that happened, but God gives him a shout out. When you see that, like he stands out, you got to think that God is trying to teach us a lesson. He's trying to teach us something because something special is said about this guy. And this guy named Jabez, here's how it goes in 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10. He gets two verses that are just all about him where everybody else got, you know, just the history. It says, there was a man named Jabez who was, number one, here's why he stands out, he was more honorable than any of his brothers. In other words, God goes, man, this, this is a really good guy right here, this guy Jabez. He stands out, he's more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother, now we find something else out about him, his mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. The word Jabez actually means pain. It means distress, it means sorrow. So she's given birth to him and she's just like, oh, Jabez, you know, like, she's just like, ah, but there's, there's further meaning involved in this as well. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But his, his name, remember this, it meant pain. It says in verse 10, here's what made him stand out from all of these lists. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and you would expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And then it just simply says, and God granted him his request. He's the guy that was known for, for his name meant pain. He was honorable guy, but he prayed this one simple prayer with four things in it, four things he prayed that was different from how other people prayed. And so God goes, man, I got to make note of that. I got to teach people. There's a lesson in this for him. So I'm going to make sure he gets noticed in the Bible. And not only that, but what he prayed for, God granted the request. In other words, this is an effective prayer that we can learn from because God will grant our request. Now, let me go back to his name being pain because if you're that kid, that's a terrible name. Can you imagine getting picked on in school? Hey, pain, come here. Like, ah, I have three kids. It's just like, Kylie, Isaac, come down for dinner. Pain, come on down, grab a seat. Like, what a bummer if your name literally means pain, but that was his name. But now here's the second thing that we know about names in the Old Testament in the Bible is oftentimes people were named with kind of a pro prophetic idea in mind. That, that people were called names that meant things that kind of was like a prophetic thing that this was going to how their life was going to turn out to be and they were going to be associated. So what you got to believe in this is that this guy Jabez, he must have been familiar with pain. There must have been some pain going on in his life. In fact, he asks as part of his prayer is that you would keep me from all trouble and pain. How many of you guys in the room here today, you're dealing with a little pain in any area of your life, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, financially? Right. And the rest of you guys, have you ever walked through pain and problems and trials, right? It's all of us. And so here's Jabez going, here's an effective prayer that God honored and noticed and granted. And here's what's different about Jabez. He didn't pray for God, make the pain go away, take it away. That's the first thing that I would pray about. If I'm hurting in some situation, that's how I normally pray. God, I don't like what's going on. Fix it. Take away the pain. But here's what Jabez did in order to, to grant his request, is that he didn't focus on his own pain. He focused on more of God. He said, God, give me more in these four different areas. And here's what I believe, is that when we put all of our attention and our focus on getting more of God, then suddenly we kind of lose sight and we forget about the problems and the pain. They just don't seem like they're that big of a deal anymore because we're over here looking on the goodness of God and all that he's doing to bless our lives. Amen? So it's kind of like, like God actually takes it away. And, and here, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is what I want to talk about all day today is if you want less pain, 
Just pray for more of God. If you want less pain, pray for more of God. Jabez gives us an example that says he didn't pray about taking away his pain. He just prayed this different prayer that said, I just want more of you in these four areas. And here's the the four things that he prayed about. Number one, in your notes, you can write the word in, is that we should pray this prayer as we pray for more blessing. First thing that Jabez said was, bless me. Now, the blessing here I'm talking about, it isn't the kind of blessing where it's like, uh, God, I pray that it's sunny today and I have a good day. And you're like, oh, great, great. It's a nice day. That's great. Like, oh, I'm blessing my food. Thank you, God, for, for the, the food prepared, the hands are prepared. Like, oh, I'm blessed. That's good. It's, it's more than that. This is what you got to catch. The meaning of this word as it's used in scripture, it actually, this blessing is saying, imparting supernatural favor of God in your situation in life. That's real different than like, oh, it's a sunny day. That's great. I'm blessed. It's talking about that God would show up in areas of your life and do something that proves his power and his glory and his favor on you that no one else could do, that people are left scratching their heads going, that's amazing. How did that happen? And you would say, that's the blessing of God in my life. See, Jabez is saying we ought to be praying for this kind of stuff. Uh, Psalm 512 says, for you bless the godly, O Lord, you surround them with your shield of love. See, rather than us praying for blessing and going, God, just bless me in this area, do do this, and we're happy with that, we should be taking off the limits, taking off the cap, and just go, God, you know what? Give me all that you got for me. Whatever it is that you think I should have, show me how much of an amazing father you are, how big of a God you are. Lord, blow my mind. Just bless me abundantly because what happens in that blessing is your faith grows, your trust in him grows, the rest of the world can see. You're more fired up. And this is what Jabez is praying. God, I'm going to allow you to be God in my life. I'm not going to try to be God and say, give me this much. I'm going to say, God, you do your thing. Is that a good word for you this morning? Like, like, let's pray for bigger blessing. Don't ask for too little. Here's what I mean by this, this type of blessing when you pray for. I pray that God would show up in my, in my life in ways that are so supernatural with his touch that it would just, it would cause me to just to lose it and to know that he's a good God that loves me. A couple of years ago, I was praying for a new truck, not a brand new truck, but I got a 2006 Toyota Tacoma that I drive. And I was praying for the right one. I wanted like the, the double cab for my whole family and the long bed for my surfboards. Like I had it down and I've been praying. I pray about everything because I want God's blessing in every area of my life. I don't want just like the basic level. I want all of God's blessing and I pray for it. So God, I'm about to purchase a new truck. I'm going to go on Craigslist. I'm going to look around. I want your favor and your blessing on this so that I know it's you because me and my own, I'm not smart enough. I might buy the truck that blows up on me next week because I'm just, I I don't know. I'm not going to leave it up to me, God. I need your blessing. So in it, I'm looking on Craigslist and I prayed and God showed me the right one. And I find this guy, it looks like the right truck that could be the one. And I meet with the guy and I'm praying, God, just show me, like direct me. If it's not it, close the door. If it's, if it's you, show me that it's you. So jump in the car, take it for a test drive. I'm driving around. I'm talking to the guy. He asked me, oh, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I'm a pastor. And he's like, oh, good. I, like, I'm hoping that's a good thing, right? Because some people are like, oh, yeah, I'll give this guy a deal. He's a pastor. But some people might be like, I hate God. I hate pastors and churches. So you're not buying my truck. You know, like, I just, I don't know. I'm like, I'm a pastor, you know? And, and he's like, oh, really? What church do you go to? I'm like, oh, anchor. And he goes, oh, really? Hey, this guy I work with every day. He goes to your church. I'm like, oh, I think this is good. So far, like, fingers crossed. I go, I'm praying, God, is this going to turn into something good? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I go, what's his name? Maybe I know him. 
He goes, oh, Greg Saggers. I'm like, Greg Saggers? I'm like, dude, that's my boy. I went to like youth group with him back in the day. Like he comes to my church all the time. He, you know, he's active in the church. I go surfing with him sometimes. And so I'm all excited. I'm like, yeah. And so we're talking about Greg and the guy's like, no way, small world. And I'm thinking, oh, this is playing to my favor right now. He goes, yeah, that's my friend. We talk about God at work and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And as we're talking about it, here comes a God moment. The phone rings. My phone rings in my pocket. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And I just kind of, I look at my phone. Incoming call, Greg Saggers. I was like, what? And I go, dude. And I show the guy, and the guy's like, what? And I'm just like, oh, answer. I'm like, hey, great. wait, hold on. I'm driving. I'm not supposed to talk. Here, talk to your buddy. And the guy's like, he's in shock that we're talking about this guy. The guy calls out of the blue, my friend Greg, right? He's on the phone, and he's like, Hey, I'm, uh, this is super weird, man. We were just talking about you and you called like, what's up? And then, then he starts talking. He goes, I'm riding with your pastor. He's like trying to buy my truck. And, and he goes, Oh really? Carl's there? Yeah. Dude, you better give him a good deal. That's my friend. That's my pastor. (laughs) This guy's like, yeah, yeah. That's so crazy. And he goes, I can't believe he called. I go, yeah, man, this is a God thing. And the guy's like, what? And so we get back. And because of that conversation, he knocks off like a couple thousand more bucks. And I just got the steal of the century on this awesome truck. That's the kind of blessing and favor I'm talking about in your life. Is that good? Like, that's cool. But that's, again, that's not like, oh, God, I hope I have a good day today. Like, we're talking about supernatural favor. And this is the kind of prayer that Jabez is talking about. And then here's the reason why. Because I don't want you thinking that we should pray for more because we're selfish, we're greedy, and we want to be rich and famous and all this. There's a reason behind being okay to ask for more blessing in your life. God gives it to us in these two verses. Genesis 12, 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make you famous. And then he adds this, and you will be a blessing to others. See, it's not just about you being like prosperity doctrine, like I'm going to be rich and famous. I love God. He's going to give me a Rolls Royce, and he's going to give me all of this stuff. It's not that. It's not selfish. It's not personal gain. He says, I'm going to bless you, and you will be a blessing to other people. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, the same thing. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need. Wow, thanks, God and plenty left over to share with others. Write this in your notes. God blesses me so that I can be a blessing. Like you get the blessing so that you can be a blessing. See, the thing about God is always in scripture, it's about relationships. It's always big picture. It's never just about you. If God wants to bless you, he's gonna actually bless you so that through you, he can bless other people. God's heart is always for others. It's bigger than just us. And so the reason that we're blessed is that we can bless other people. Now, I would say this as a pastor of this church, I would say that the blessing of pastoring you guys as a church and the growth and the health of this church blows my mind. I'm already like blessed enough. Like I never thought I would be here when I was a young kid and I met Jesus in youth group days and I was fired up to serve him and he called me to go to Bible college. I was never thinking I want to be a pastor of a church or any of that. Like I didn't want to be. My dad was and I saw that that's a pretty tough job. That's dealing with a lot of stuff and like I'm just going to be the best youth pastor I can be. I'm going to serve God with that. And I thought, that's good enough for me. And somewhere along the line, I don't know how, I got suckered into this job and I'm like doing this. But I look at the church and I'm like, there's no way I would have envisioned being a part of leading God's people and this awesome, healthy church and all the things that God has in store for our future. I'm just a dumb kid from Kailua. Like I like to surf and like I love Jesus, but how did this happen? And I realize that every day, man, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm beyond blessed. You know where our church is at right now? 
I'm fine with it. It it doesn't need to do anything else. This is great. However, God's given us vision. And God's told us that if we will make room for more, then God's going to fill it. And he's going to use the blessing he gives to us because he wants to bless other people. We started this building campaign, the spiritual journey that we're on. We started it last year, that in three years, we're gonna build a new building that's bigger than this, that's nicer, air-conditioned, it seats more people and all of this. And the reason is that, honestly, I'm, I'm fine with the church the way it is today, the size it is, because I'm blessed, and we're all blessed. But God says, our friends and our family and our community and our neighbors and people out there, they need to be blessed too. So I want you, Carl, to pray and believe and to raise the support for a bigger building because there's other people out there that need the blessing too. Does that make sense? So in our lives, God wants you praying, oh God, don't just give me enough. God, give me all that you have for me. Just bless me with your favor abundantly because it's not just for me. All glory goes to you because it's for other people as well. Is that good? Now here's the second thing Jabez prayed. He prayed for not just more blessing. He prayed for more influence. In other words, he said, Expand my territory, my sphere of influence, my reach, my ability to do good and to bless other people. God, expand that. Help me to meet more people. Help me to have a higher management position at work because whatever's good about what I'm doing, I want to be able to reach more people with it. If you're serving on the dream team or you're serving somewhere, like, God, help me to lean into that. Whatever's good in my life, I want to just be a blessing to other people around me. Lord, help me have more influence. It's basically this prayer. God, you've blessed me with more. Now show me who I can share it with because life is never just about you. Show me who I can share it with. Psalm 78, verse 70 and 71, it gives an example about how we can share and have more influence. It gives an example of David. It says that God chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. He was a shepherd boy, remember that? He says he took David from tending the ewes and the lambs And then he made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people, Israel. See, here's the deal is, you've been blessed with something, your personality, your giftings, the experiences you've gone through, your resources, whatever it is, is that God wants to take that and he wants you to share that with other people. Is that God knew that his people, his nation, Israel, they needed a king with a shepherd's heart. So he took David with his influence as a good shepherd boy. He had a heart to care for his lambs, to provide for them, to shelter them, to protect them, all of this. And God goes, I'm going to give him more influence. Now he's going to be a shepherd to my entire nation, to my entire people. Here's what you need to know about, about yourself and when you pray for influence is that somebody out there needs what you have. That the reason that you've been blessed is because God wants you to share it with someone else. Turn to the neighbor next to you, the neighbor, the person sitting next to you in church right now, and just tell them, somebody needs what you have. Come on, turn to somebody right now. Just tell them. Look them in the eye. Somebody needs what you have, right? Somebody needs what you have. See, God's gifted all of us, and when we ask him for blessing, it isn't just for us. It's like, God, expand my influence. Whatever you're doing good in my life and whatever I've learned, how do I help other people out? How do I influence other people around me? I know that, that Pastor Trevor the other week said, hey, my life was changed when I got involved in leadership in this church and I'm on the worship team. And he goes, then I went to become the worship pastor and the creatives pastor and my life has been blessed and now I have influence to all these people. And he said, if there's anybody in the church that has photography or media or video skills that you would expand your influence, use it for the kingdom and step up. And you know what happened? He started a connect group with 20 people that stepped forward and said, look, we're good at this. 
Help us to expand our influence to bless the church and the community in using what we're already good at. Just like David, you're a shepherd to sheep. I'm going to make you a shepherd to Israel. So we'd pray for God to expand our influence with stuff that we're already good at. That's what I like is he just uses what you're already good at. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God, who's able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more, there's that word, more, than we might ask or think. In other words, don't be limited by your view of yourself, what you think of yourself. But he can accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Is that you have influence. And you might be sitting here, no, I'm not good at very much. I can't do anything. That's your view of yourself. But God sees you differently. You know what God says? That we're sitting in a room right now full of leaders. Every one of you is a leader. Because the word leader, if you learn that, if you go to growth track today, we're on growth track number three today, which is develop your leadership. At the 11 a.m. service, that's what they're going to talk to you about. Because what, what matters is that God says every single person is a leader. No, I'm not a leader. I'm a follower. No, you know what God says? You have influence over someone. If you have influence over someone, someone's following you, they're watching you, they're learning from you, you're leading someone. And the minute we begin to step into that role and embrace it and understand that, you know what God begins to do? He begins to expand your influence. He begins to give you more. So all the good he's doing in your life, you're able to bless the world around you. Start a connect group. Connect group is a great way. Jump into a connect group for you to say, here's what I know. Let me get with some other guys and share. I, I was in connect group last semester for all of those weeks with one other person, just me and my friend. And we grew in that time. We shared our lives. We prayed for each other. We became really even just better friends than we already were. Man, we were so blessed. Because as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, that we were both influencing one another in good ways. So then it came time for the next semester to start, which we just started, right, this, this last week or something. And I, I was with my friend. I go, connect group again? Yeah. Well, we're blessed already. We know that God is good in our lives, and we're influencing each other. You know what it's time to do? We need to invite some more friends to this thing. We need to pray for God to expand our influence. So now we got like two, three, a bunch of other guys that are starting to join the connect group now because what we have and the blessing we have isn't just good enough for us, but God wants it to be spilling over to share into the lives of other people. So we need to be praying for influence because turn to the person on the other side of you that he didn't turn to the first time, your second choice, and tell them somebody needs what you have as well. I told the other guy, but I'm going to tell you too. Make sure you cover all your bases. Some people got left out. They're like, oh, wow, never pick me. Somebody needs what you have. Therefore, pray for more influence. Here's the third thing that he prayed for. Jabez prayed for more connection. Remember what he said? He said, God, would you please be with me in everything that I do? That's connection right there. There's power in connection. Like going through life on your own, weak. Going through life connected to God, very powerful. Amen? You guys are a little bit quiet here today, this 9 a.m. service. How's this? You guys want to hear something dirty? 7 a.m., had one-third of the people that are in here in this room way louder than you. I'm just saying, you better rise to the occasion in here, people. Come on. So here's the thing. We're going to pray for connection. Acts 11.21 says, The power of the Lord was with them, the early believers, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Not because they were cool, but because the Lord was with them. Always connected means no bad days. That's the way I see it. If you're always connected to God, then everything's going to work out okay. You have no bad days. This works not just in the spiritual realm, but this works in the relational realm too. How many of you guys in this room have good friends? 
Better everybody raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. Like, like no, I'm lonely. Right? Everybody, think about this. The, my favorite thing to do on my days off on Mondays or on Saturdays or whatever is, and I don't always get to do it, but I try my hardest. I just try to get in the water. Yes, I try to surf. I try to dive. I try to fish. I try to get on a boat. I try to go looking for shells. I'm obsessed with the ocean, with the beach. I live in Hawaii. Do you guys realize that you live on one of the most beautiful islands in all of the earth? You're surrounded by God's beauty. The water is warm. You can go in year-round. Your friends are shoveling snow in Minnesota. You could be diving and, and lounging and bronzing on the beach, and you have to take advantage of the, of the beach in Hawaii. Am I right? And if you don't, you should move because you're in the wrong place. Free up some of that real estate for the rest of us. Get out of here. I'm just kidding. But one of my favorite things to do on my days off is to go to the beach, be in the water, do all this stuff. Now, what I always post on Instagram, if you follow me on Instagram, which I'm not on, by, by, by the way, for the fast right now, but if you follow me, I'm always posting photos of the best waves, the best food, or everything to do with the water, like look at all the shells I found, or, or look at the diving, the fish I caught, and all of that. You know I'm only posting the highlight reel, right? Because what happens more often than not is there's terrible waves, and I'm not going to take a picture of that, but we get skunked. We go surfing, we're like, ah, it's so junk today. Or I'll go out diving for two hours underwater, find no shells. Nightmare, right? And it's just like the worst ever. Or I'm on the boat, and you see all the fish I caught, but you don't see the five minutes like after that where I'm like puking off the side of the boat because I'm seasick, right? Just chum in the water, just chum in the water, right? But I don't post all the bad stuff. But here's what I found out over my years of hanging out and surfing and diving and fishing and all this stuff on the days off, is that if I'm doing all that I'm doing and I'm with my good friends, then no matter what happened during that day, no bad days. Why? Because I'm connected. I'm never going surfing, fishing, diving, boating, any of that alone, because it's always better when I'm connected with good people. Like we laugh about at the end of the day, oh, the waves suck today. Yeah, but we were at least laughing at you when you fell off your board, like, oh, thanks. But it's the camaraderie, it's a relationship, it's the power of being connected. Now, it works the same way with God. In your marriage, in your finances, your job, and your hopes for your career, and your, and your troubles with other people at work, and all of that, everything still turns out okay if you're connected with God. Amen? Have you found that to be true? See, here's Jabez going, God, I, I just need you in everything that I do. My marriage needs you, my finances, my business, everything I'm trying to do in life, I need to be connected to you. And in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, the Apostle Paul, he's like basically a, an evangelist. He's a traveling pastor. Him and the other leaders, they knew where their success came from. Look what he writes. He says, it's not that we think that we're qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He knew that the ability that he had to lead people to Jesus, to start these churches, to disciple young leaders was nothing about him. I'm not qualified. He goes, but when I'm connected to God, man, that's a powerful thing, that it's God in me that does this. And it's the same with me as a church leader. And to do this job, like I said, I'm privileged. I can't believe that we're even in this church that we're in and it's growing and it's fruitful and good stuff is happening. But I can't do this on my own strength, guys. I got nothing. Like I show up and, and my entire job is dealing with people, right? Just people. Like there's no pencil pushing. That's not about all of that. Computers, I write the sermons, but everything I do is, is meetings, it's counseling, it's talking with people, it's preaching to people. And what I found being the shepherd of the flock that God's given me is that sometimes the sheep bite. 
Can I get an amen to that? Like you guys, you bite each other, you bite back at me. And there's times that I'm just like discouraged. And I'm like, oh, this is hard. All I deal with is these sheep and they just bite each other. And like, oh God, this is hard. And you know what really gets to me sometimes is the people that I invest in for days, weeks, months, years, sometimes in my life. And I love them and I pray with them. And I come alongside to, to find victory in their life with them and invest this, time, invest this time coaching them. And then for whatever reason, they walk away from God. They walk away from me and they walk away from the church. And I'm not mad, but it breaks my heart. That's one of the hardest things in ministry is that you're, you're friends with people and sometimes they go through a season where they turn away and you're just dying. And it hurts. You lose relationships, you lose friendships, and it breaks my heart. So you know what I need every day? I need the heart of Jesus. That when the sheep are fighting and things are ugly and they're bad, God, give me compassion. Give me forgiveness. Help me to remember that I'm a sheep too and I'm just as, as, as flawed as anybody else. And God, give me patience with people. Lord, would you give me wisdom to speak into people's lives? When I preach, Father God, would you give me not just the accurate words to say from, from your Bible, but, but that it would make sense to people that they understand you from a real point of view. Lord, that my passion for you and who you are would come out when I preach that all I want is for these people that I talk to every week to know you, Jesus, to know that you're good, to improve their lives, to make it to heaven, to use what you're giving them to spread it to other people. God, I need you because I can't get on the stage and say anything. I got nothing to say. I don't even like being on stage. I'm an introvert by nature. Don't put me in front of people, but because of you, God, and my connection with you, man, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? And see, that's the word for you. So here's what we pray for, just like Jabez. Lord, be with me in everything that I do. I pray every day for more connection with you, that I need you in everything that I do in this life. And here's the last thing that Jabez talked about, his prayer. He's saying, more blessing, blow my mind, supernatural favor. More influence, let me be a blessing to other people. Let me, let me bring good to this, this life like you've brought to my life. And then he's, he's praying this right here, more connection, the intimacy. And then he says this, if I get more blessing and if I get more influence and I get better connected to you, God, then you better protect me because I just made myself a bigger target for the enemy. And we have to realize that, that we don't battle against flesh and blood. We talked about that verse the other week, but there's a spiritual war going on for our souls, for everybody's soul on planet Earth. You either end up on God's team or the devil's team. We all start off in sinful lives, living for ourselves, and we're not on the winning team. We find Jesus, we get hooked up, we do good things, he blesses us, now we're, we're with him, we're seated with him in the heavenlies, we get him for all of eternity. And our job is to lead other people there, but in doing so, the enemy, who's against Jesus and God's will and plans for our life, all he wants to do in John 10.10 10, is steal and kill and destroy. So when we get closer to God, and we're more of an influence on other people, and the blessing and favor is on our lives, then he's now saying, you have a bigger target on your back. Look at what it says in, in Scripture, 1 Peter 5.8. It says, be alert, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I don't want you to read that, and I don't want you to hear this and go, oh, I'm scared then. Because people come to me sometimes like, Pastor Carl, I started coming to church, I started reading my Bible, I've been praying every day. I've been trying to, to, to walk the life for Jesus that he calls. Like, I love him and I'm trying to live good. But man, everything is going wrong in my life. The enemy is out to get me. He's attacking me. I feel like giving up. And that's the last thing that you should do. And you got to understand is that you don't have to live your life afraid. But what the Bible is telling us is you should live your life aware and alert that there is an enemy out there. 
and that he doesn't need to take you out of the game. He doesn't need to blast you, but he does have the power to slow you down a little bit, to hammer on you a little bit, to attack you. And so you need to be aware that you need to have your guard up, your defenses up, and you need to be praying against this stuff. Here's what Jabez prayed, is that you would protect me, right? Keep me from all trouble and pain. So we need to pray this protection on our lives. Here's Here's a very real issue we used to deal with. When I was a youth pastor, I used to do these great events. So we, we, had, a, we had a thriving youth ministry, man. We're, we're getting there. We're remodeling our youth ministry. We're, we're bringing in some new leaders. We hired a new guy as youth pastor. I'll be letting you know about that in the weeks to come. But um, we're doing some good stuff. But back in the day when I was the, the youth pastor, and I mainly uh, ministered to the high school group, and Pastor Tom was with the junior hires, we had 300 kids coming to this church like every single week. Like we were lighting it up. We were at that time like the biggest youth group on the island, if not the state. And nothing about this, straight favor of God. Again, blessing. God bless me in everything that I do. And God goes overboard and blesses. But in that ministry, some of the healthiest things that we ever did were the youth camps every summer, sometimes winter too, and the youth mission trip to Japan that we did every year. And at these camps and these mission trips, we would watch your kids, your students, these young people, junior high and high schoolers, they would rise up. When they're just around their people and around godly people away at a camp, free of all the distraction, God gets a chance to get into their lives. They get on fire with the Holy Spirit. They step up. They receive their calling. They're ministering to one another. God's speaking into their lives on mission trips. They're out there in Japan. They're leading kids to Christ. They're like getting bold like they've never been bold before. You see these kids closer to, the God, to God than they've ever been. But we found out this. It became like a trend for a few years. So every time right after a camp, this big, big beautiful spiritual high or a mission trip, these kids that at the camper and the mission trip are the strongest kids out there. They come back home, and with a matter of days sometimes, they fall right away from God, and they stop coming to church, and they, they give up their faith. And we would just scratch our head every time going, what is going on? Like, year after year, we would see this, and we're like, we don't get this. Why is this happening? Why are these kids falling away? Here's what we finally came up with the answer, and we, we do things differently now is, we were praying for those kids ahead of time that the camp would be anointed and would be amazing, during the camp or during the mission trip, we're praying for the kids and the team. Let's do good. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Let's do good. Thank you, God. Empower us. Let's do all this stuff. And then after we'd like have a successful event, camp or mission trip, we'd be like, yeah, that was awesome. That's so good. We're all fired up. Let's go back home and go into the world and light it on fire. It's really good. But we weren't praying for protection right when the enemy is trying to blast those kids the hardest because they just stepped up for God and were doing big things. And he came right in and threw every sneaky attack and temptation at them. And he got them. Why? Because we let our spiritual guard down. We were not praying for protection after the trip or after the camp. Before and during, yeah. And we just thought, success, so we're good. We forgot. So we do it differently now. We pray differently now for every event. We always thank God what happened, not just the youth, but for every event that happens here. And we pray, anybody that God did something big in their life, God, we pray protection because we know the enemy's gonna come. We're not gonna live in fear, but we're gonna live aware and alert that he's out there. He could slow us down, but we're asking you, God, that you would protect us. It says in Psalm 3, 1 through 3, Oh, Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying, God will never rescue him. But you, oh, Lord, you're a shield around me. You're my glory, the one who holds my head high. And then in Psalm 91, it also says, 
The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me and I will protect those who trust in my name. So we don't have to live afraid. We've got a great God that the greater is the one that is in us than the one that is in the world causing trouble and attacking us. But we never stop praying. We never let our guard down. Here's Jabez. And if I get the blessing, the influence, and the connection, it's going to be awesome, but it's going to make me a target, so I better pray for protection. Now, here's what I want to leave you with, just this thought when it comes to praying for protection, is that the attacks that the enemy wants to throw at you is going to be different than the attacks he's going to throw at the person sitting next to you. That all of us have our own weak areas, our own areas. The devil is not going to just be so obvious to you. He's going to come at the areas where he knows he can get to you that might be different from the next guy sitting in the room. Let me say it like this is maybe there's you or a few of you in here, guys, possibly, that the weak area is sexual temptation. It's lust. It's the threat of pornography or looking at other women or things like that. And maybe for some of you, probably for all of us guys in there, can I get an amen, guys? Uh, lust, sexual temptation, that's a real deal. Don't make me raise my hand by myself. You got Come on, men, right? That's what we deal with. But here's the thing. That may not be the same temptation for the woman sitting next to you, the area of sexual temptation. Your attack might be, well, I better pray against that area. But she might be going, well, I'm good with the sexual temptation, but don't let me catch a sale at Macy's because there goes the credit card and there goes all my money, right? So I'm saying, be aware. The enemy wants to attack you. You got to pray for protection, but it's in different things. Some of you guys, it's like, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm praying God because my area of weakness is I get to working hard and overworking and burning the, the midnight oil and working extra hours. It seems like a good thing because I'm providing for my family, but the reality is the devil's sneaky, and what he's doing, he's taking you away from your family. You're working all these extra hours. You don't come home for dinner. You don't talk to your kids. You don't have any time for your wife. You don't have any energy. And it's actually a, an attack on your relationships when you're overworking. But the person sitting next to you in here may not have that problem of overworking. Maybe they're just, like, underworking. Come on, lazy people. Where are you at right now? Like, the lady, like, like, it's not that I'm too busy to hang out with other people. I just don't want to get off the couch and talk to other people. Like, I'm, I'm just binging on Bird Box or something like that. You guys, you know, don't open your eyes. Don't open your eyes. Anybody? Bird Box? Okay, Google it if you guys don't know what's going on. Sandra Bullock. But it's, <laughs> here's my point is, we all get attacked in different ways, but we all need to be praying for protection in our lives. But when you pray like this, here's my challenge. I challenge you to pray like this for the next seven days. During your prayer and fasting, you don't have to make it your only prayer, but maybe you spend one minute on each of those things. Maybe you spend 10 minutes. Maybe you spend a good part of your whole day praying for God. I just want more of you. I want more, I want more blessing that's, that I can clearly see that it's you blessing me, not just random circumstance. Lord, I want more influence. Help me to be a blessing to other people around me. God, I need to be connected deeper and tighter and, and just focused on you because I can't do my life on my own. I need you in it. And God, because of all that, would you please protect me because I know the enemy's out there and he's going to hit me in these subtle ways, different from everybody else's, but I know my weak spots and I need your protection. I promise you that when you begin to pray like this, that some of those problems are going to start to go away. The reason is you take your eyes off the problems and the pain and you've got your eyes on the potential in your life. Like, don't let me look at the pain, God. Let me look at my potential. That more of you could increase and do these great things in my life. And it's just a way that it said in scripture, Jabez prayed like this, God granted him his request. New way to pray, you want less pain, pray for more of God. Is that a good word this morning, guys? Let's bow our heads, let's pray, and we'll get you out of here. Lord, Lord God, you're good. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for um, your promises in Scripture. 
Thank you for this guy, Jabez, Lord, that he got the shout out and that he prayed something special that teaches us, us all a lesson here today. God, it's cool to think that I'm going to get to go to heaven one day and actually meet him and thank him face to face. Just whatever our new spiritual bodies look like, Lord, I'm going to be there. I'm just going to thank him for that example that he gave us. Lord, thank you for being the God of increase, the God of more, the God of growth, the God of maturity, the God that wants greater and bigger things for us, but not just for us. It's so that we can influence other people as well, Father. I pray that we would begin to pray that this week and we could just, we could count the results because we're praying it just a little bit different way. Lord, we want to see you grant our requests. And I pray right now for anybody in the room here today. Maybe you came here to church today and it's your first time to church. Maybe you're coming back after a long time. But whatever the circumstances, you, you know in your heart you don't really have what you would call a real relationship with God. Now, not to say you don't know about him, you haven't heard about him, or maybe you've even prayed before, but you've never really prayed a prayer to really surrender your life to him and tell him that you're going to follow him for all of your days into eternity. Like the kind of prayer where you're really surrendering you and inviting more of him into your life. Now, the prayer that makes you a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. You might have read your Bible, you might have gone to church before, but that, that doesn't mean you have a real relationship with God. And today, I want to make sure that you walk out of this room knowing that you're saved, that you're forgiven, that God loves you. He's got a plan. He's going to move in your life through his Holy Spirit, and he's going to bless you, and good things are going to begin to happen in your life. And I want us to just say a simple prayer with you, if that's you in the room here today. If you're just looking for God in your life right here today, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. I'm going to pray the words out loud. Everybody else has got their eyes closed and their heads bowed in this room. And I'm going to pray this prayer for you and with you. And I want you to just quietly in your own heart to God, take the words I'm saying and you'd make them your words to God. And God will meet you right where you're at and he'll change your life starting right now. And then you learn to grow with him even more as you continue to live for him all of your days. But here's the first step is this prayer. If you'd like to pray this prayer with me, I'm gonna ask you to pray it with me, you quietly, me out loud as I pray it. But I would love for you to let me know that you're gonna pray with me. Nobody's looking around in this room right now, like it's not about that, but I'm looking and I would love for you to let me know who I get the privilege of praying with. I would just love to know that I'm actually praying with you and that I see you and that God sees you. So if you're gonna pray this prayer with me, real simple right now, can you just lift your hand? Can you just lift up your hand? Good, I see some hands going up. I see you, I see you, I got you. God sees you, he sees you, he sees you. God's got you, best decision you'll ever make. I see this hand over here. If there's any more hands, if you're in the kids' room back there or in the courtyard you're watching, even if you're watching online, God sees you. He sees your heart right now. So join with me in this prayer. Make this the prayer of your heart really quickly right now. Here we go. God, I'm here today and I need you. Bottom line, I surrender my life to you. I believe that your son Jesus literally came from heaven at your right hand. He came down to this earth to be made a man so he could show us how to live. He taught us all about you. We read about him in the Bible, all of his words to point us towards you. And then he did the ultimate sacrifice for us. He actually died on a cross for all that would believe in him. That he took the hit so we don't have to. For all of our sin, our wrongdoing, our, our mistakes, our guilt, our baggage, our bondage, our issues, Jesus died to save us from all of that, to set us free. He went to the cross. He paid for all of our sins on that cross. He died, but he didn't stay dead. He did what only God could do as he rose from the dead on the third day, defeating death itself, but also telling us that in so doing, he defeated all of the junk and the wrong and the sin and the separation in our lives so that we can be free, so we can have relationship with Father God. So Lord, right now our prayer is we're just saying yes to that. 
We're accepting all that you've done for us and we're gonna follow you all of our days. Thank you for the work you're about to do in making us a new creation. Thank you for the hope of heaven that we have for all of eternity. Thank you for loving and caring about us right now. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Amen. Let's praise God for that right there. Amen.